This is Final Plank Media. Hello everyone, hope you're doing well and staying safe and sane during these odd times we're in. The team and I are using the extra time that we have to get ahead for season two. We're currently finishing the script for episode three of After the Plot, which will be a crossover episode with our other show, Good Better Quest, so be sure to keep an eye out for that. And speaking of, Good Better Quest will be introducing some new characters this season. I think the first episode will be dropping on Monday, April 27th. We're also introducing some new and varied format for Versus And, and we'd love to hear from you as to what bits of Versus And you like so we can keep that show going in a positive direction. Also, Nolan and I will be bringing you a new show this season, which we are currently in the process of recording. Martial Parts is the podcast about different parts of martial arts. So my brother and I both have an interest in the fighting arts, but we have very dissimilar backgrounds. And this show juxtaposes our differing background as we explore some of the different aspects of martial arts. Those should start appearing on our website and on our feed around May, so be sure to check those out. Anyway, let's get into the show. Today's episode was recorded live at GalaxyCon 2020 here in Richmond, Virginia, and it is a recap of the investigative journalism we did last season for After the Plot, the show which brings you the stories you didn't know you didn't know. The reason we called it after the plot is we found it very important to investigate what happens to the characters that you might not have thought of during the main line of a story. What happens to all the munchkins after the houses fall? Mm-hmm. What happens to you know the people in Hyrule after someone comes in and vandalizes their store? Mm-hmm. What, so, what really happened to all the dwarves, this sort of thing. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we, we went to these places and did some investigation to really get the the temperature of what happens after these stories end. So our team is comprised of three people. That's me, Brent Lacey, Nolan here, and then we have another partner on our team, David Hallman. He couldn't make it to GalaxyCon with us, but he's an integral part of our team. So some of the issues that we looked into for our, our first season of our show, we, we focused on these because we felt that these were stories that kind of affected everybody everywhere. Uh, Things like theft, the repercussions of the housing market crash, uh, bureaucratic mismanagement in different places, things like gang violence and how that interrupts other people's lives, and even bigger stories when you start talking about, you know, genocide and and displacement there. So, here's where we started first. Uh, We started in Hyrule. We had heard of a roving bandit who kept breaking in and stealing people's goods. Um, but it's something that we kind of grew up with. We grew up in, in Hyrule, going there often. Yeah. Um, if you've never been, you really should go. You know, there's a really walkable country. You can get everywhere in a couple of minutes. Um, you know, from the lake to the top of a mountain should take you about five minutes. Someone will give you a sword if you can do it in that time. So when we heard of the string of vandalism in a place very dear to our hearts, we, uh, we decided to go. Mm-hmm. So things we should know about Hyrule. It's a very pedestrian-friendly country, like my brother pointed out. Uh, the weather is very reliable. You know, within the, the short day, you're, you're going to get sunshine in certain places all the time, and other places it's going to rain no matter what time you go there. 
major exporter of milk and pots, the, the, the booming milk and pot economy in Hyrule. Uh, but yeah, the vandalism is what really, really drew us to kind of see how it was affecting the everyday man. And we, we, we had heard that this, this guy had spoken to a lot of the, the locals, and he was actually quite rude to a lot of other cultures. And he, he went in and was stealing people's goods, like I said. He was being disrespectful. Apparently, he was even abusing livestock. There were these chickens that mm-hmm. he would harass. He would go and he'd throw them at people. And it was just, it was just unheard of for this part of the country. Yep. Uh, these were some of the, the people that we talked to. Fortunately, my brother speaks Goron. Otherwise, we wouldn't have been able to uh, get any information from our, our Goron friend there. But he, he took a few semesters of Goron, so he was able to, to translate. Yes, it was, it was pretty easy to uh, get conversations. It's a very guttural language, so mm-hmm. conversations take a while, but it's easy to pick up. Yeah. Um, we also ended up talking to this guy, which was a mistake. Uh, just ran his mouth way too long, didn't give us any helpful information. And, and every time we thought we had uh, answered his he questions just properly, start back just up start again. over, yep. just kept yep. going. So It was a real pain. Uh, we kept trying to get away from him, but he would just fly around and, and harass he us. He kind of followed us. Yeah. Was, but, you know... As hard as we tried, even to this day, we, we really never got to the bottom of this level of vandalism taking place and, and how people were. To, to be fair, not many people seem to be super bothered by it. No. No. They, uh, he would come in and throw their pots, and uh, they would regrow. Which was weird. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, it, uh, it was a rewarding story nonetheless. Yeah. So our next assignment, we wanted to talk about the housing market crash and how that affected people. I was just getting out of college in 2008 when that happened you were just getting into college i was just starting high school i was just finishing high school yeah yeah so it was a uh, it was a scary time because jobs were not secure houses were being taken mm. from people mm. uh stock market kind of crashed so there was there's a lot going on that you had to deal with yep so we, we we dove a little deeper in we talked to some kansasians or some kansasians we haven't quite figured out how you how you pronounce that um yeah and this weird thing was happening where there was there was such a bad uh, housing crash there that we we had to go out and check what they were what was going on um, and it turns out in some cases it was a literal housing crash which is not something that was covered on major news outlets and something they left out was all these houses were in sepia town yeah it was it was very odd it was really weird but we wanted to see you know when that sort of thing happens how do people recover what happens to price housing prices what happens to the job market from there and there were, it it got weird. So first off, within a few weeks, half of the witches in Oz were, were killed. Um, real, real tragic. Really put a dent in the business. And it seemed to be that all the ones that died were quote-unquote evil, which mm. really kind of changed the, the alignment aspect of Oz. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a lot of the people we talked to, too, were, were put out of work. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a lot of munchkins. Their houses were having houses fall on them. Yeah. So they couldn't live in their houses anymore. So they were looking for work and, and livelihoods elsewhere. A whole fleet of flying monkeys and winkies were out of a job. So that was, that was uh, an issue. Um, we did get to visit the Wicked Witch of the West Castle. Turns out they turned it into a casino and resort once the witch was no longer around to run the show. To be fair, Galinda's show, excellent. And good. she did get some of the Winkies to come in and do like a, a, a drum line. That was great. It was they, really called it, they called it the Green Man Group. Yeah. It was, it was pretty good. Yeah, it was really good. We have some shirts somewhere. We talked to some people at the MGM West Casino and Resort about some of the uh, administrative mismanagement. You guys may have heard of the uh, wonderful wizard who absconded shortly thereafter. And they ran through several other 
wizards over the course of other months to try to find, you know, leadership. Uh, it turns out the position of wonderful wizard is not really as glamorous as you think it is. They talk about being executive assistant, but it's really more like assistant to the executive. Yes. Not as not as glamorous. And uh, he was really a management wizard, not a magical wizard, mm. which mm. the the job title it really didn't do it justice. So Radagast came around, and the the town was filthy. I mean, there's birds everywhere. Sanitation there's animals that come in. On strike. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think that was really when the yellow brick road started crumbling because the management wasn't keeping up with it. So we never even made it to the Emerald City. Mm. It was very difficult. It was an infrastructure thing. And, you know, when an entire society is based off colored roads... you got to keep up with it. Yeah, that. you got to keep up with it. Yeah. Uh, we found out Dumbledore was uh, in that position for a while, but it turns out he was funneling Emerald City funds for his for-profit college. Yeah. And so they had to let him go. Yeah, Wizarding College is not as good as Wizarding High School, apparently. Yeah. So he was losing money. Mm. Uh, Shazam, the, the wizard, not the, the superhero, came. Very old, he just kept giving people power and overloading the electrical grid. Yeah. So he didn't work out. Lightning they, bolts. Yeah, that doesn't really work in a big city. Mm. Uh, Merlin took, uh, uh, he was a, he took a job as the wonderful wizard for a while, and he was doing great, but what we found out from other people was after a while, it started affecting other businesses, restaurants. Nobody could get their knives out of the drawer for any type of slicing or cutting. Yeah. Um, we found that barbers weren't able to get their scissors out to cut hair. So, I mean, any, any, any industry that involved some type of blade, it was affected there. So, unfortunately, they let him go after a while. Uh, the last wizard that was there before we got there was Harry Dresden, and he just kept blowing stuff up. It just He's kind of an asshole. Yeah, he's kind of an asshole. Yeah. So, so they, let, they let him go. Too. Very hard to work with. Yeah. Mo- moving on, we... You know, we wanted to see how these disasters affect people's day-to-day lives. And sometimes when we're looking for a store, we, we just go back, start at our roots. You know, like, what, what do we know? How, do we, how are we affected by these things? And where, where do we go from there? And the next one was really kind of how do we get comfort? Yeah. And cereal food is a big comfort industry. You know, it's, it's very sweet. You have memories of waking up on Saturday, Saturday morning, morning. Yep. getting your favorite cartoons. cereal. Yeah, and watching a cartoon. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for some this leads to a problem of addiction. Yes. Uh, and there's sweet cereal is not, is not for everybody. Some people just can't, can't dive in without a problem. And we found out that this, was, this really came to a head when we learned about the death of uh, Mikey from Life Cereal. Um, it was real tragic. Um, so we were able to accompany some of the investigative, like the um, law enforcement, as they were going through this investigation. They had already completed their main sweep, but we kind of interviewed some of the people afterwards and found out what happened. So we decided this is the best way to kind of illustrate everyone that we that we spoke with during the investigation of the investigation. So um, my really? brother and I, you know, we're we're going to be neutral, good, right there. We're just we're just making the show. Got to get the information. Got to get the information. Um, we followed uh, Detective Mills. He was the one that was leading the investigation in, into the murder. Um, he spoke with us over the phone for the course of several weeks as we were as we were investigating. He was he was pretty helpful. He was pretty gruff. Um, I, I think you know he'd seen a lot with these serial mascots. Uh, mm-hmm. There's a really dark underbelly that they don't talk about. Um, you know, the, the sugar and cereal industry, they really want to keep a, a good forward-facing facade. The Big Sugar doesn't like the term serial killer. It just it, it, it exactly. puts a, exactly. bad, a bad shadow. And they, they've really spent a lot of money trying to get that taken out of, of law. We tried to talk to these guys, uh, the Rice Krispie gang, but we never were able to get in touch with them. They were in and out of the system 
lots of times. They were one of the prime suspects. And every time, every time one of them answered the phone, all we got was this weird crackling, crackling and popping. Yeah. yeah, it was weird. We also talked to this guy, Mr. Sam. You guys might be familiar with him. Funny enough, well, we we have a, we have a clip from um, our interview. We weren't able to talk to Toucan Sam. We were able to talk to his estranged lover. Um, Sonny, another toucan associated with a different serial. Sonny went on to tell me that the relationship did not end on a clean note. Sam began sending aggressive texts to Sonny on a regular basis, soon escalating it to threatening voicemails. Two-Face, I can't believe you'd kick me out over something so small. It's f***ing ridiculous. I don't have a problem. And I can quit any time. And I'm sick of you trying to baby me like I can't handle it. You watch your back, you backstabber. It was really a tragic. Yeah, to, to see someone ended. who had flown so high on the serial leagues just come tumbling down. Mm-hmm. Turns out these guys, the Cookie Crisp gang, were more entwined into this dark, seedy underbelly than, than we thought. Um, not only do they have crooks in their gang, but they also had members of the police force in their gang. Um, we came across them in several different instances, and we actually had to kind of get some advice from Detective Mills about how to handle that you know, sticky situation. All the commercials with them, you see the, the cop chasing them, and you think, oh, he's going to get them. Turns out they're working together. Yeah. That's yeah. why he never gets them. These guys were pretty helpful. There was some rivalry between the, the Cinnamon Toast Bakers and the Rice Krispies gang, which we were not aware of. These guys had also been through the system quite a bit over their time, but they seemed to be reformed. We end up talking to Wendell, the main baker. He's the one in the front there, volunteering at a soup kitchen. So we interviewed him during our show and got some information about you know, who would be a suspect in this murder case, who would have the motive, who would have the ability to actually carry out something like that. But they, they, were, they were very helpful. These two fellas, we ended up talking to them in uh, one of the bars that they, they frequent. They didn't really take a side. They didn't really take a side in this. They didn't have any direct information about suspects, but they weren't like talking trash about anybody. Well, Fred has a whole other career yeah. that he tried not to bring up. He doesn't really want to mix those two, especially mm-hmm. with you know, this investigation into a murder. Yeah, he tried to, he tried to keep them separate. But th- they, were, they were fairly helpful. Uh, and here's the other Sonny, the toucan. We, like we said, we interviewed him, and he was getting over not only his breakup with Toucan Sam, but also handling his own serial addiction. Uh, he had been clean for some time when we spoke with him, which was probably one of the only reasons we were able to get useful information, that he, he would reformed himself and he was trying to stay clean. He was going to his meetings, and he, was, he, he, he wanted light to be brought to the situation here. He was doing good, yeah. and uh, I, I hope we really didn't rehash it to, to make it painful again. Yeah. I don't know. We, the, we, the cookie wizard Jarvis, he, uh, you, you just have to listen to the, the episode. I don't, I don't want to get back into it. Yeah. Uh, what else? What else do we have? What's, what's our uh, next? So after oh, this. After this one, we want to get into a big story, something that people have been asking if you're familiar with Skyrim, if you're familiar with Morrowind, if you're familiar with Oblivion, there is an ongoing mystery about where are the dwarves? What what happened to the dwarves? Where the dwarves go? Is, uh, no, it's no, not, not, it's that, not those dwarves. Those dwarves. dwarves. Yeah, those yeah, yeah. Dwarves. these ones. Okay. Uh, the other ones are fine. They're okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so this is really more of an archaeological story that we 
were trying to pursue, but it, it kind of got sidetracked. A we, bit. We, we couldn't really find the main story. We had our quest, but we kept, just kept branching off for these different... Every different time we quests. talked to someone, it seemed like we had something, something else, else to, to do. do. Something else to fetch. Yeah. So this is the land of Skyrim. We initially were going to fly in, but there had been an uptick of dragon activity, so we actually had to land outside and hike all the way in, which was a pain. And, you know, it seems like all of these stories, everywhere we went, there was some something to make flying difficult. The flying monkeys, because they were kind of breeding out of control, it was, it was hard to get through those. The dragons, the owl flying out of, of Hyrule, that was bad. Yeah. He kept so asking questions. We did. We have an interactive map here. We can retrace our steps. We... We ended up in Whiterun, which is this this city here, and I'll show you the path, and then we'll get back to the other slideshow. We went up the Great North Road here. We stopped at Blizzard's Rest, had some mammoth cheese, tried that. There was a giant encampment, and we were able to have a sample there. You got a little crazy doing that. Oh, man, I felt fortified. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was odd. Mm -hmm. uh, continued up, we ended up stopping at Silverdrift Lair. Turns out that was a uh, Draugr tomb, which we didn't know anything about, but got some real cool merch there. Kept going in. We spent the night at the Nightgate Inn, and then uh, proceeded up to the lift at Alftan. But we'll we'll get into all the details there. But I just wanted you to see the path that we took. Uh, so big, big, big country Skyrim. You can't really walk across the whole thing. And we weren't really able to do it on our own. We we did find a guide. Mm -hmm. um, his he kept calling himself the Dragonborn. Stupid name. Yeah, it's dumb. Mm -hmm. But He's, he said he was he was on some type. It was some type of socio political engagement he was involved in, and in between missions that he was on, he was in White Run, which is how we met up with him, uh, and he was willing to to help us. He said that the place to go for information on dwarves is the Black Reach here, which is an underground layer in Skyrim. I know you can see in the picture we took here, but a lot of ruins, ancient archaeological sites. And on, on his journeys, he actually got a lot of stuff to sell to help us get along with him, get some extra coin. So we met him hey, before you play that. So we set out from Whiterun uh, the next morning on our, our mission to find out more about the dwarves. He said he was going to sell some of his uh, loot and get us some potions. And we saved a few from our, our trip. So there was a few bottles that we were able to, to bring back with us. Tried making them our own once we got back, and I had a little success with it, but not yeah, nothing too great. You seemed, every time we got onto the cart, you would accidentally eat a butterfly and figure out that you could uh, go invisible or, or something like that. Mm -hmm. it, was, it was odd. You try so, grass, cotton, uh, the gum under the table, anything, ingredients you can try. So, yeah, we have a, a short clip from uh, when we met up with him the Everyone, next morning. as he moved, ice spears still sticking out of his leg. Hey, do you need some help with that? No. No. No, thanks, I got it. No. You know, it would just take me too long to give you each little beat. Just hang on, hang on. Don't only be a second. I rent a room, a room in town. I keep all my shit there. I just, I put it in a chest above my daughter's bed. It's on a shelf. It's like, it's like a one by two. 
just a pain, you know, getting, getting from point A to B, you know? I was gonna pop in and see Bellator. Just give me a second. Just, just give me like a second. Does he? Does he need help? Just, just give me a second here, I can, I can get it. He's still moving, he's going so slow. You're almost there. So slow. Don't fucking touch me! Reach at the door. Everything's for sale, my friend. So the guy was weird. We kept him to make stops like that along our way. Every once in a while, he would uh, eat like 45 wheels of cheese. Yeah, just bump, 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 bump. Yeah, it was weird. It, it was disgusting. Yeah, I don't know how he did it. Yeah. So the the last story we're gonna get into. How are we doing on time? We're, we're doing pretty good here. Um, before we get into that, uh, we are part of Final Plank Media. We have several other shows that are on our network. Good Better Quest is a D and D tabletop podcast. We post that twice a month. Versus and is a monthly roundup of just all things geeky and nerdy that we've been reading, doing. You know, you know the drill. You know that that format. So what we brought with us were uh, pieces of the final plank with our logo on them. So if you guys want to grab one on the way out as a, a little token of our of our time together, we have some up on the table here. Please come and grab one. And if you're interested in in hearing any of our shows, you can uh, just look up Final Plank Media. It'll take you to the iTunes, the Spotify, and our website, Facebook, this, that, and the other. So our last story that we looked into on season one really harkened back to our Wizard of Oz episode about the housing market crash and what reverberations were felt throughout the country there. We found that a, a lot of small towns, especially out west, their, their economies were failing. And um, you, may have, you, may, you may have heard of this story. Yeah. yeah. Some, some towns were down to one or two businesses that were keeping the entire town employed. So we, we actually separated for this. I was looking for a better way to get places instead of flying because that was just not working. Mm -hmm. uh, so Brent went off on his own mm -hmm. and he met up with a guy outside of town who mm -hmm. uh, he did something weird to get into town, didn't he? Yeah, he, he was just letting fate decide his path. You know, we ended up at a fork in the road and he just took out a breadstick. He just tossed it up in the air, and where the breadstick lay, that's the direction he took off on. This gentleman, uh, the, the Red Baron, <laughs> you might be familiar with him. He was our guide throughout the whole time that we looked into this story. He kept us safe. We, it, he did. I didn't realize that there was going to be so much violence in a small town. And the story that we found was a tale of two rival gangs in this town. The Red Baron decided that he was going to come to town and play these two gangs against each other, kind of ensuring mutually assured destruction and see if he could make any money off of the the, the destruction. And he so did. I mean, he got, how many, how many arcade tokens did he A lot of arcade tokens. A lot of arcade tokens. A lot of arcade tokens. So we get in the town. Turns out the two major gangs in the town were run by Little Caesar and Papa John. Uh, we had no idea that, that things were, were this bad in the town. Turns out Papa John himself actually was no longer in charge of the gang. Uh, there were some leaked tapes that came out about some really insensitive things he said about um, other pasta dishes. We actually got a clip of those phone calls here. He's thinking they can even go toe-to-toe -to -toe with my pies. I just put it with that Maricotti's in our town. What do you got, some fucking chopped off veggies in there? 
Did you got this fucking lasagnas coming along, eating into the family sized meal market? I tell you what, I am the fucking family sized meal market. They don't even speak the fucking language. They let veterinarians get all cozy with the fucking Bacardis. Now we got a bunch of little fucking big Mamakati babies around town. Like, God, wanna fucking look at that when I'm online at the bank. What are you trying to look like? Some fucking nobody penny out of pocket? Please. So needless to say, there no, was, there was a good reason that he got removed. Yeah. Uh, but in his place, well, we ended up meeting with Sparrow, uh, one of the right-hand men of these gang leaders. And all the violence in this town was, turns out, sharpened focaccia breadsticks can be quite deadly. The Red Baron himself actually brought a piece of evidence back, had his own weapon that was used on several gang members in town here. He kept it underneath his scarf. It was pretty hard to see if you weren't paying attention. He was quick. He was yeah. a quick draw just, with his... And just slice, slice, yeah. slice. And mm-hmm. people go down, marinara sauce, everywhere. everywhere. Yeah. Uh, turns out the Godfather was the one who took over for the Papa John's gang after Papa John was, was taken out of commission. Uh, spoke with him. He tried to actually buy the Red Baron's uh, help in protecting his gang. Tried to hire him on. He did. Turns out uh, DiGiorno and Cece also came into the mix. Cece used to work for Little Caesars, but actually went over to the Papa John's gang uh, while this violence was ensuing. Um, DiGiorno, just just an asshole. Yeah, he's trying to make a name for himself. He, yeah. he's, he, he really didn't want to be associated with the delivery services. He mm. just kept saying, it's not delivery. It's not delivery. Yeah. We ended up going to the uh, California Pizza Kitchen. That's where it was a uh, kind of a neutral territory in town. We were able to spend the night there, get some get some food, get some respite. The gangs kind of treated that as as safe ground. It was run by this guy, who you might be familiar with, and he was kind of an outcast in town. He was part of the the, the cheese and marinara population, but wasn't. I mean, I hate to say, it, but he's, he wasn't really pizza. No, he wasn't. He wasn't pizza. You know what I mean? He, he did give same, us some good. He did advice. before before we left. He he talked to us, and I'll never forget. He said that you know, no matter what happens in life, no matter what people say to you, no matter what pitfalls you might come across, that anybody can be pizza. Anybody can be pizza. Anybody can be pizza. It's not about where you were born or what you believe in. Anybody can be pizza. Anybody can be pizza. Which brings us to the next guy that we met, Charles Charles Edward, Edward Cheese. Quite a reputation in in town here. Was one of the most feared gang members in in town. Actually, there was a, a climactic fight scene between the Red Baron and Chuck E. Cheese that we were privy enough to to witness. And it was it was odd because most people are using your traditional pizza-based weapons. You know, you have breadsticks, breadsticks, pizza cutters, yeah, you uh, have salt and pepper shakers, uh, parmesan stale, cheese, stale cold pizza. Mm-hmm. You use it as a shield. You can poke someone with it. You got it. Ninja star. Uh, but Chucky would use Totino's pizza rolls, and he would use them in a slingshot, which uh, is just who who would do that? Who would do that? Uh, we saw a few people injured by this, uh, and just the the massacre of hot cheese and sauce. Um, on one side and cold cheese on the so other. So cold on the other and side. It, you, your body can't compensate for that. Mm. So you have people ended up in the hospital. Yeah, it was, it was scary when yeah. he got back into town. It was, but everything turned out okay. What else? I think that I think that was yeah. That was our, our last story, story for the so first that, that was our first season, season two. We are actually posting the first episode tomorrow. No, Monday. I don't want to give too much away. At the end of this episode, we did 
come across a new mode of transportation which helped us look into some other stories. So like I said, I don't want, I don't want to give too much away, but we do look into the plight of the speedster. And um, not only the plight, but they're not all on the same team, believe it or not. You'd think people with this type of ability and this type of power would work together, but it's not always the case. They're not always running in the same direction. No. So we talked to some humans. We talked to some hedgehogs. We talked to some birds. But we, it, was, it was good. It was good. From there, we went even further down the road, and we're currently editing our episode after that. Can we talk a little bit about that? Yeah, so the, the mode of transportation that we got actually uh, skipped through time, mm -hmm. but it only had one jump in it, so we had to go to a very specific mechanic to get that worked on. Mm. As much as I love my dear brother, he's not terribly good in a stick shift, so uh, we ended up going... We double-clutched it. Yeah, and went way <laughs> into the past, mm -hmm. uh, and so that wasn't good. So we, we tried to go into the future, and we were trying not to put too much gas into it, but again, he's not good with clutch, so we went about 40,000 years into the future. Yeah. And it's, it's grimdark. It's not, it's not good. Mm. Um, so we tried to slowly talk to some space marines. Yeah. Talk to some orcs. The orcs, you know, I really feel for the orcs. Mm -hmm. they, they keep getting blown off of planets. Mm. We also visited uh, a desert planet in that episode as well, uh, run in with some sandworms, but we fortunately we were safe. Well, that was, that was also, what, 20,000 years prior? Mm. Something like that, 18,000 years? Anyway, so season two is going to be a lot uh, of disparate places on, on the timeline, but we were very eager to bring you all more of the stories that you didn't know that you didn't know. So that's all we have. We're more than happy to answer any questions. Feel free to take a piece of the final plank on your way out. We're on Facebook, Instagram, iTunes, Spotify, Twitter. You guys, you guys know the drill yeah. on the internet. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. This has been the stories you didn't know you didn't know, recorded live at GalaxyCon 2020 in Richmond, Virginia. For more shows from Final Plank Media, go to finalplank.com or search for Final Plank wherever you get your podcasts.